0: Chug, 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 chug chug, chug Hello everybody, and welcome back to the Wizard Staff. I'm your host, Guy. And I'm Blake. And we are two drunk novices who like to talk about EDH. Uh, sorry, talk about children's card games. But we do like to talk about EDH2, a children's card game. Um, so, yes, welcome back. <laughs> uh, you can already tell I feel pretty intoxicated. <laughs> <laughs> I, that is exactly what I'm going to blame it on. And I'm going to move on from there. Alright, so if you haven't read the title yet this is the quarter one 2023 updates that's right folks we made it through 2022 hell of a year for commander hell of a year for magic now we're up got some big big stuff for this first quarter and it's only early february that's not even a quarter (laughs) (laughs) like one month in yeah i mean it's kind of the company quarters i suppose so Mm. like last time we did this yeah anyway Uh, So we're going to talk about some new notable cards from the premiere set. uh, Phyrexia all will be one. Uh, We could talk about some notable reprints um, from those premieres, stuff like that. Um, We got Dominary Remastered and the RC announcement. So yeah, quite a bit to talk about. Some good stuff. Good stuff.
1: You might be thinking, Blake, Guy, why aren't you doing (laughs) just a normal set review? Well, fellow listener... We, we don't want to do like set reviews for every single set because we're going to get burnt out so we're doing this instead and we're just covering a whole bunch of things quickly yeah we're doing that instead
0: yeah it's so much easier to digest in this kind of way like I don't know about you Blake but like I get so burnt out from the command zone having like five set review <laughs> videos in a row and I'm just like I like you guys and all but this is so much yeah yeah, yeah. And that's how we were doing it too for a bit. So anyway, uh, what are we drinking, Blake? Or what are you drinking?
1: Well, I went and found something new. This is called Holographic Memory. It is a triple India Pale Ale. It is 9.5%, <laughs> which is very high.
0: I was about to say, isn't like a... I feel like when you say it, your normal is like between six and seven.
1: Yeah. So this is on the upper end of like the spectrum, I think, for drinking. Yeah. It's the reason I bought it was because the name of it is called holographic memory. And the label sticker on this can is holographic like a card. And it's just very striking. And I'm like this is just like the the card game I play. Like, uh, it it seems thematic. Uh, there's a connection there. I'm going to buy this (laughs) solid consumer logic right there. So I bought
0: it. I, I I feel so ashamed of my reasoning, (laughs) but, um, I have to ask then, is it as good as magic would taste? I suppose if we love magic, the taste would be good. So how good is the taste? Um,
1: it's it's pretty thir- thirst-quenching. Uh,
0: love it. Oh, okay, that's good. That I feel like I, there's only like one or two beers where I can feel like that because most of the time I feel like it's more sugar, but like, yeah.
1: I have two cans next to me and I'm not sure I'm going to even bother with the second can because I'm like, mm, okay.
0: Oh, nice. What about you? I have... Snoop Dogg Wine. Oh <laughs> it's Snoop Dogg's wine. Um, uh, not. It's not like he personally gave it to me, but it is his brand of wine. We got it from a neighbor who just dropped it off as like a Christmas gift, which was very nice of her. But I was just like, all right. I had a little bit previously and you know what? It's good enough for us another glass. So <laughs> I guess I'll get through it. Yeah, pretty good. I don't listen to Snoop Dogg that much. So it is. I have had his wine more more more
1: so. so Sounds good to me. Do you want to get started with the first major topic of the year?
0: Yes, so the first big thing kind of came and went uh, Dominaria Master. So this came out January 13th 2023 This is basically a master set of 25 different sets I believe that all take uh, a part on Dominaria. So you could have from the very first set to this most um, second recent. So not Dominaria United, um, just the Dominaria before. Um, but holy cow, like... <laughs> the This was a good set for the beginning of the year. Just start off strong with all these reprints. Um, oh gosh. Uh, you had the Tudor Cycle, the Enlightened, mystical, vampiric, worldly, and gamble—all mm-hmm. included. Uh, at rare, except vampiric, but that's great. Uh, Lyra Dollbringer, Savine's Reclamation—that came out in a Commander product. Test of Endurance, its first um, reprint ever. Mm-hmm. Force of Will, High Tide, Mister Ramora's first reprint in um...
1: like a non-secret layer and non-list.
0: Yes, that is how I believe they have been reprinted before. Um, Last Chance, that's also, I believe, its first reprinting, or um, Overmaster, Sneak Attack, Worldgorger, Arbor- Ar- Arborea, which <laughs> also its first reprint. And it's a world enchantment, I believe, which we don't see much of anymore. hmm Birds of Paradise, Crop Rotation, Elvish Spirit Guide, Exploration, Sylvan Library, Crawl Space, Gauntlet of Power, Ursa's Incubator, Dark Deaths, Maze of If. Alright. Uh, and there are other ones, but those, those are the cards.
1: most notable ones.
0: Did we even say Yagma uh, or did. Urza? Oh, okay, yes, there they are. <laughs> but there's so many, it's like, did I forget like some really good ones? It's like, holy cow, like you should be pleased with anything you can pull from the set. Mm-hmm. No complaints really
1: I was pretty satisfied it was the it was the classic situation of all right they reprinted a card this is the time where like I wait for the set to kind of get opened and the prices go down on maybe older versions of cards or at least or at least these newest versions and I just buy them then because I didn't have a Yawgmoth Thrant physician for a long time and I I know, you know enough months go by since Modern Horizons and I'm like fuck a full of Yawgmoth is now like $70 and <laughs> oh yeah and now I'm just like Yawgmoth Transposition got reprinted again okay I'm not waiting any longer I'm buying it again after it's dipped a couple of bucks
0: oh yeah like I, I had the same kind of thing where I went to go check and I was like how much would it actually be to buy the original versus this new one and the price is quite staggering so I was like huh okay <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just get, get the new one. <laughs> yeah.
1: So, strong way to start off the year. And then we kind of moved into what I think everyone is currently talking about. But we're going to touch on briefly, which is Phyrexia. All will be one.
0: Wait, did you just say we're going to touch on this briefly? Yeah. Oh, my God.
1: I mean, relatively speaking, you know.
0: <laughs> I, I cannot tell if you are being sarcastic because I'm like, there's so much to talk about.
1: I know, but we're, we're trying to be like efficient, right?
0: Yes, yes, you are right. We will be efficient. That's a lie. <laughs> I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, uh, yeah. Yes, Phyrexia, all one. Sorry. Oh, gosh, where do you start?
1: Like, I don't know. Some of the mechanics, there's, like... So, first off, there's flashback on Affinity. They are now deciduous. I think this was kind of a smaller bit of information that wasn't quite as obvious to more casual players, but... It was confirmed in a Blogatog post by someone who asked, and Mark pretty much, Mark Rosewater, lead designer at Wizards of the Coast, uh, pretty much said, Affinity is deciduous. We're de- we've decided to let a number of mechanics become deciduous. And then that was on Blogatog. And then there was like a Twitter post, and then Mark responded with, To save everyone some time, flashback has become deciduous smiley face. So, there's your confirmed sources right there from the man himself. So starting with Phyrexia, one with be all, flashback and infinity are deciduous, which is kind of exciting because they are very popular mechanics, and now we're going to see them much more often. I personally feel kind of surprised by this. I wasn't kind of ex- I was not expecting it. I I've seen flashback multiple times while playing commander, and it's always seemed balanced and well received by everyone who plays the mechanic i am a little bit more surprised with affinity simply because it hasn't been an issue in commander but i know the affinity mechanic has been an issue for other formats in the past so that kind of surprised me a little bit what do you think guy
0: Yes, I, I think they did learn their lesson, because when Affinity initially came out, it was in a set where it's like, Affinity for Artifacts, also we have Artifact Lands, <laughs> so that just, like, doubles up on your mana pretty quickly, and they are like, ah, okay, so in this environment, uh, not great, but I think the ways that they've done it, where it's like, Affinity for Equipment, that's a lot better, you know, because you're not going to have nearly as much equipment as you do just like normal amounts of artifacts. So the, it makes it a little harder, but like still, you know, much more balanced. And if they're more specific in this sense, I think it'll be fine.
1: Right. So next up we have something that was a little bit more obvious to the average player, which is battle. (laughs) It is apparently a new mechanic and it was kind of hidden. So the new Atraxa card, Atraxa Grand Unifier, it's three green, white, blue, black, it's a 7-7 legendary creature, Farxian Angel, and I'm not going to read all of it, but part of the text in this new card mentions all these different card types, and in the list it includes battle, and that's the first time we've ever seen it. And so everyone was like, what's this? Whoa, like, is it a like a translation typo? No, this is confirmed in English. Whoa, what's this? And so we are most likely going to see an explanation of this in the next set or maybe the next two sets. Because no other cards in this set say battle. It is only this one card.
0: This reminds me a lot. I, I didn't play Magic at the time, but Marles talked about this. It reminds me of the time where they did, like, the um, Eye of Ugin, that land that makes your Eldrazi goss to us, mm-hmm. but it was in a set with no Eldrazi, and it was, like, teased as, like, what's an Eldrazi? And then, hmm. next set, it's like, rise of the Eldrazi. And it's like, oh,
1: <laughs>
0: you teased us. So that's kind of what it feels like to me, that we will likely see battle very soon as a new card type. Which is exciting, because, I mean, in the six years I've been playing Magic, there hasn't technically been a new card type.
1: It's been a while, I think. Gosh, because I'm thinking back to, like, Lurgoyf, when it was like, what's a Planeswalker? And then a little while later, the first Planeswalker came out.
0: I, I think Planeswalker might have been the most recent type. A tribal might have come before
1: Planeswalker,
0: yeah, but those are the two that were not included in, like, Alpha and Beta. Yeah. Speaking which, of which,
1: Tribal was notably left off of the new Attraxa card. However, oh, yes. it is still considered a card type. But going forward, it seems like Wasi is not going to be making any more Tribal cards. So they just chose to not include it in the list.
0: That, I, that could be. Uh, to me, it seems kind of like maybe there's just no Tribal cards in the set or like any set going forward so it's like not worth mentioning Mm. yeah
1: true and I did a super quick search of cards and looking at every single card that mentioned like card type and like when you do that you kind of have to list them and as of the time of recording none of those types of cards have been eroded to include battle but I'm assuming sometime in the future they will yeah I think time will tell.
0: Yeah, I, it it really will depend on what kind of like card it is, to be honest. I mean, I'm kind of thinking like is it going to be world enchantment related? You know? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um so we'll see. But yeah, exciting stuff. But let's talk about well, okay. This, I guess then this is also the next New mechanic. Toxic. <laughs>
1: Ooh.
0: Um It's a new thing, but guy. it's the same old thing. But slightly different. But gu- But guy yeah, but Guy and Blake, where is Infect or Poisonous? <laughs> um, okay. So there are two other podcasts you could listen to that go quite into depth about it, uh, Command Zone and who is this other guy?
1: Uh oh, this is
0: Oh cheap. Mana Curves yeah, and is yeah. a Podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, unfortunately, Infect was left out of the set. Uh, it was originally in the set, too, but it was scrapped once they removed minus one, minus one counters from the set, which I know are not very popular among fans, so uh, I think with Proliferate and Infect and all those, the- Watsu was just like, we're not going to do this, <laughs> um, so we needed something new, something catchy, and so they made Toxic, which kind of reads as, like, when it deals combat damage, instead of doing the power toughness, it will just deal the number associated with Toxic. So you could have like Toxic 1, Toxic 2, 3, uh, 4, or 5, and 6 is the highest. Mm-hmm. But you also might be thinking, oh, Poisonous was an ability very similar to that. Why didn't they use that? Well, I learned two fun facts. <laughs> one, Poisonous is a triggered ability. Toxic is not. And that means you are there are less clicks for Arena. Which, it just makes it automatic. So, like, Mara kind of has talked about, like, streamlining some stuff for Arena. Um, which is interesting now that they have to like take that into account as much.
1: Mm-hmm. When I read that, I was c- sort of blown away. I was like, you know what? I haven't heard this, but that makes a lot of sense.
0: Yeah. Uh, which is just great. Not in a sarcastic way. Uh, I-, I think making things easier is always the better thing to do. Um, but so they did also consider using poisonous, but another reason why they didn't use poisonous was because poisonous means that you eat something and it is poisonous to you, which is not the way that this is being used when attacked. That would be more like the term venomous. So Morrow said that if they had used the correct term, they might have considered keeping like venomous or like poisonous but because of that they just decided to make toxic
1: okay that being said I hope that like in like five years or so they don't come up with some other new mechanic that's basically the same thing as toxic and poisonous and infect but something else I hope that they just choose this one and stick with it if they are gonna do more cards in the future
0: (laughs) yes I agree I know that like infect was a very uh divisive mechanic mm-hmm. you either loved it or you hated it <laughs> but yeah so let's let's stick with toxic and just all agree this is okay
1: guy what are you talking about like we need to reevaluate the number of poison counters that can be lethal in commander We we must
0: strike <laughs> what are you talking about we will get to that <laughs> um, <laughs> I have a lot of opinions about that <laughs> <laughs> alright 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 yeah okay uh, next mechanic. Unless do you have anything else you want to add to toxic?
1: I guess I just add that I had to do a little bit of research before I realized that like all the white cards were always toxic one.
0: Oh yeah. I was
1: like, Oh, I didn't realize that. And then like black is between toxic one and two green is toxic two to six. And that there were very deliberate design elements for the level of toxicity for various colors and i didn't realize that at first i was just like oh like it's just whatever What the play design team felt was appropriate for the limited environment or whatever that was my assumption but i was wrong and i read these notes and i'm like oh that's kind of cool that the toxicity level is related to the color
0: Huh? and it does kind mm-hmm. of also relate to the uh play design because uh play design is like the set when you uh draft because i know like the white is meant to go wide because like it's playing into like its tokens things green has like big creatures and then like black just because like it's black yeah so
1: and there's no red like there's not really any red or
0: there is like a few blue but i double checked and i am pretty sure there are no there might be like one or two red creatures. Yeah, but it's toxic. Mo- it's
1: mostly concentrated in white, black, and green. So
0: Abzan. Yes. Color identity. Oh,
1: yeah. For sure. Yeah. That's all I had to add to Toxic. We can move on.
0: Yeah. So we got four Mirrodin! Exclamation.
1: Point. Less exciting, even though this is an exclamation. Point. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um. Yeah. So it, it. This is just pretty simple too. Um. It's similar to Living Weapon. Uh, where you cast an equipment, and you automatically create a creature token, um, and you attach the equipment to the creature token, so this, like, harkens back to living weapon. But, um, the difference being that uh, the creature you create is a rubble instead of a germ token, so you can keep more creatures around uh, for also casting your equipment spells, um, which I thought was pretty cool. I like that.
1: Guy, are there any living weapon cards that you're afraid of in Commander?
0: Uh Grafted Exoskeleton? Wait, no, that's not a that living is weapon. Not. That's just like Yeah. Um it seemed it almost seemed like it just because like flavorfully it could be. Mm-hmm. Uh wait, hold on. Yes. Maybe one. Uh in a mono black deck, Lash Wraith. Um Because especially like I've used this for like Infect decks and it's just like you get plus one plus one For uh, attaching This for all your swamps and when Again I had like Skittles who's already Like a 4-4 this just automatically Makes him like a killing machine By the time I get everything out and going Because it's like 10 boom and Your equip cost is essentially 4 life Like I will not pay 2 mana I will pay (laughs) 4 life all the time that is free real estate. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. I will say that I'm a little bit more afraid of living weapons. I agree with you. Lash writhe is a little bit terrifying. I'm a little bit afraid of cauldra complete. If you can ramp into it, like if you can cheat it out and circumvent the equip cost, this, this thing's like, Oh, this thing hits hard. And then I'm a little bit afraid of uh needle cyst in equipment, and Artifact-heavy decks, um, And then, early in Commander, I don't see it as much anymore, but earlier in my Commander career, I saw Scythe Claw fairly regularly, and it would always just like half my life total, and then do it again. And I'm like, well, shit, I'm like at seven life. I'm going to die next turn, or within this rotation of the table. I'm, I'm going to die. Um, oh. But um, those are the ones I'm afraid of. So I just kind of wanted to talk about that quick little tangent. We can move on.
0: All right. Yeah. Um, pretty sweet mechanic. Okay. So Phyrexian mana. Um, this also makes a small comeback, which honestly, to me, this blew my mind. I was like, whoa. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what the fuck. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, so like the the okay, so hold on. What's Phyrexian mana? It's a mana, um, it has the Phyrexian mana symbol in it. That means you can either pay the color that is associated with it, so if it's blue Phyrexian, you can either pay a blue life or you pay two life. This has been considered one of the most broken like mechanics ever. Yeah. like Ever. Like, storm. Ever. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm just gonna keep saying ever.
0: Yes, like... The fact that they were already bringing back and in- they were considering bringing back Infect blew my mind, but like this, I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. Uh, but it makes sense, because it it does tie into the set, because it's the only mechanic that actually says virexia. But the other good thing about it is that it is only associated with activated abilities. It is not on any mana value, except for the completed Planeswalkers. Right. And that already gives it more of a negative connotation or negative effect already in addition to already having to pay life so it is somewhat balanced in that way
1: I agree where when I heard that there was the return of Phyrexian mana I was really surprised because any long time player often knows like it's one of the most busted mechanics ever how could WotC possibly do this and then restricting it to abilities activated abilities and to the planeswalker cycle like it actually like it it actually really makes cards less likely to be busted i'm not going to say it's going to fully prevent the, these cards from being busted i don't know what future completed planeswalker Watsy has in store in the future maybe they're going to complete oko and it's going to be even more broken <laughs> <laughs> but it gives a better chance of not repeating the mistakes of their past
0: yes mm-hmm. yes they have learned, and thankfully. Yeah,
1: Birthing Pod, fucking Gataxian Probe, <laughs> fucking Mental Misstep, God. Noxious Revival, Phyrexian Metamorph. Oh, such
0: good cards. I mean, but such such good cards. And Crick, I guess. Yeah. But that was a little that's different. That's
1: a newer That one's a newer one, and I mean, that being said, it's arguably one of the strongest Mono Black Commanders.
0: <laughs> yes. Yes. and it's great in the
1: 99 of other decks that really care about like reanimator strategies I've lost to it as part of a combo piece many a times
0: oh yeah card's great card slaps Mm -hmm. okay last mechanic though we got proliferate but this is another returning mechanic so another returning mechanic but probably the most popular of the mechanics returning uh, just because I know players like it a lot With good reason. So, to proliferate means to add a type of counter to any number of permanents and or players there are. Uh, So, you can double up on your plus one, plus one counters, loyalty counters, infect counters, I guess ability counters if you want. Shield counters, minus one, minus one counters. Am I missing any?
1: There's a whole bunch of types of counters. Like, every set or two comes out with some new type of counter. So don't You're don't right. uh stress about trying to list all of them right here and now because you'll be like blue in the face.
0: Yeah. Does I mean proliferate would also work on like sagas, which I feel like that's kind of the biggest plus for them, right?
1: Yeah, that's true. Sagas do use yeah. counters.
0: And sagas are becoming more popular too which so and i feel like yeah
1: well they're doing demi- the, like Watsy is designing more of them in more sets yes yeah. and yeah i think the average commander player is aware of proliferate just because atraxa praetor's voice the original atraxa oh, you're right <laughs> at least when you look at edh rec and you go to their like past two years chart atraxa is still the n- number one most popular commander under that criteria with six, over uh, 16,000 decks. <laughs> now take that number with a grain of salt. But it's it hints the, sp- the grain of truth. Which is Atraxa is a really fucking popular commander. Just straight up.
0: Yeah. You are absolutely correct on that. Mm-hmm. There's tons of ways to build her. So people
1: have built her in tons of different ways. Yeah. And she says as part of her text. At the beginning of your end step. Proliferate.
0: she's pretty sweet
1: I don't think that this new Atraxa is going to be as popular but I think that's fine
0: I think so too and it's going to be one of the cards we talk about but I think just because people are so thirsty for Atraxa anyways (laughs) like this one is just automatically going to get a lot of bonus points like the most popular commander of all time makes a return yeah It's not a bad card. Yeah,
1: I feel like the new Atraxa got, like, thicker. Anyways, moving on.
0: Okay. (laughs) All right, so time to talk about cards we care about. And holy shit, we got some cards. Going to mention notable reprints real quick, but Phyrexian Arena, Phyrexian Obliterator, uh, those are some pretty good reprints.
1: When's the last time, okay, be honest, guy, when's the last time you saw Phyrexian Obliterator in a commander deck?
0: Oh, okay, wait. Well, no, I have never seen it in a commander deck. Like, But it's a good card. Have you ever seen it in a deck? Or does Park play with I it, have. actually?
1: So, there was this one time, Park was kind of experimenting with it, and in his reanimator deck, and he reanimated it at instant speed, and used it to block something of mine, and I had to, like, <laughs> sacrifice a whole bunch of shit.
0: <laughs> I didn't, oh yeah. And I, I cried. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God! Okay! <laughs> I mean, it's a good card, but like I don't see it that often in Commander decks.
1: yeah, it's not as good in Commander as it has been in other formats, which is which is fine, but I, so I was just kinda like funny where like you included it in in our reprints list, but I was the one with the actual story,
0: yeah, 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 I guess like I remember being excited about it when I first was building a mono black deck. I was like, yes, Rexians in its name, and like get the Rexians <laughs> are about this. And I remember, because I sent you the list, and you and you specifically called out, like, why do you need this card?
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah? You remember that better than I do.
0: Yes, I made a deck list, and you said you would critique it, and then you kind of, like, put it in, like, take this out. <laughs> <laughs> this is not good in this deck. <laughs> and I was like, but Flake, it's it's worth money, so it must be good. And But no, I totally agree. <laughs> I don't think it's, like... A staple in Commander by any means uh, But I like it
1: That's so funny
0: so I do like the old art a lot more Do you remember why song. you
1: put it in the original list then?
0: Yeah because it was a Phyrexian <laughs> And it was a ex- expensive good card So it must be good For a different format Yeah exactly I was stupid <laughs> I... Do I need to be more clear? <laughs> Alright You're good I didn't buy it <laughs>
1: You can buy it now. It's reprinted. It's low cost.
0: Yeah, okay. Uh, but, alright. The Praetor cycle is now complete. Blake, would you like to do the honors of reading the best card ever?
1: Okay, yes. This is Elish Norn, <laughs> Mother of Machines, 4 and a white. It's a legendary creature Phyrexian Praetor. It's a 4-7, so big butt, with vigilance, so that's pretty interesting. But wait, there's more. If a permanent entering the battlefield causes a triggered ability of a permanent you control to trigger, that ability triggers an additional time. So it's like Panharmonicon. But wait, there's more. Permanents entering the battlefield don't cause abilities of permanents your opponent's control to trigger. So it's sort of like Torpor Orb, but stops more than just creatures from ETB triggers. So both these effects are like, quote-unquote, generically strong in the commander format. There's a whole lot to say about this. Um, Guy, I kind of want to let you talk about it more, though, because you're the one who actually has a mono-white deck, and you're kind of... have to be a bit more skeptical as to whether or not you would include this card in said mono-white deck, or maybe you'll build this as your
0: commander. For me, I mean, I could totally see people building this as a commander. Like... For sure, but why? I like it. Well, okay, I because I know that it's on this list in particular because I feel like it's going to be a very popular commander. Um, but I am also like just ninety nine love. But like, yeah. Um. Okay. So my point of perspective, just so like saying my point of perspective is, it's already just like a good ninety nine card, but it'll be a great commander too. So anyway, in mono white. Uh, there are a ton of good ETB effects. You got the original Ranger Captain, you got Recruiter of the Guard, you got Solitude, Mich- Stoneforge Mystic, Felder Guardian, Flicker Wisp, Oblivion Ring, Sun Titan, and Mentor of the Meek. And I know the list could go on. Like, Oblivion Ring, there are a lot of Oblivion Ring-like effects, so that just adds on. Mm-hmm. So anything that enters the battlefield, you get two of. Already great. Uh so, yeah, but for five mana, like, eh, that's fine. To me, the bigger thing, I think, is the stopping your opponents at, at all. Like, that's even crazier, I think. You think so? I think so. That's that's the more devastating part, I think. Because, yeah, that just stops three people. Yeah, it's it's a pretty... Because, like, the other thing, like, when you compare, I guess, other than Jin Cataxias, all the others, like, have or like kind of just hindered you in another way but this one's just like full stop like on a very common thing to do you know it's not like it doesn't stop the first ETB trigger like kind of like Jink attacks his counters the first spell Mm -hmm. so that is a full stop but in this way it's like every ETB effect is just down oh I see what you're saying yeah so That's why I'm, I mean, that's personally why I'm including it. I think like the, that part is just going to be so backbreaking very quickly. It's great.
1: I agree that this is a strong like white card, whether I want to encourage people to build it for their mono white commander decks, because mono white in the commander format is still needing help to get up to speed with all the other colors. And I do want to encourage people to play this in the 99. No, I do not think it's so powerful that it needs to be banned. There was a whole bunch of drama with like Sheldon Menry's article talking about this card. And I don't know. I just don't think it's worth talking about it. It's a fine card. It's like it's a strong effect and it's a five drop. It's fine. It's a creature. I feel like I have a little bit of perspective on this card in regards to its last ability, the one that stops permanence from entering the battlefield and not causing any triggers, because I've played a Phage, the Untouchable Commander deck. And one of the main cards in that deck that you want to get out pretty much every single game is Torporb. Orb. And Torpor Orb pretty much stops creatures entering the battlefield from triggering anything. And so that's kind of what everyone's comparing that last ability to. And so I've played that last ability like a whole bunch of times. And it doesn't come up every commander game, but it comes up pretty frequently, almost every game. And it always just sort of happens to be where my opponents go, oh, crap, I can't do what I was planning to do. Like that kinda screws up my sequencing. And that kind of screws up the plans that I made. But it doesn't really stop them from like playing the game like certain other cards, like I own a shield of Ameria. Like it just sort of like hinders them. Like a stacks piece, which is what this card is. And Yeah. So at least on that dimension, where I feel like I can speak about this card on its final ability, it's fine. And that's what I'll say.
0: Alright. It is, okay, so I guess I do kind of want to get into, and I want to get your opinions. Among, okay, among all the five pr- new reiterations of the Praetors, so we have now completed the cycle with Forenclex on Kaldheim, Jinkataxius on Neon Dynasty, Urbas, Nukapena, Shieldred on Dominaria, and now Elishnor. Uh Who would you say uh, is the best of these five?
1: that's a big question wow um fuck i wasn't ready for this (laughs) um oh sorry (laughs) oh that's actually kind of tough i mean if you ask the average player they'd probably say elish just because that's the only card of the cycle with discourse to be like it should be banned (laughs) Let's see, the, Jenga, the new Jin is pretty high on the salt score in terms of the EDH rec salt score. Mm-hmm. In a vacuum, if you had a gun to my head, if I had to choose one of the five, I would probably say Shieldred because it's the one that costs the least at four mana and it punishes a game mechanic that pretty much every single commander deck uses, which is drawing cards. So uh, that's going to be my answer.
0: I, you nailed it, because I, I 100% agree with you that with, of these, shielder definitely still is probably the best one. Yeah,
1: it only costs four mana, and it punishes pretty much every single deck in the format.
0: It, it doesn't even have to punish you for like having a lot of card draw, because like you draw cards naturally in the game.
1: It's part of the draw step.
0: Yeah, it's the only it's the only one of these that does not require your opponent to do anything. Mm-hmm. I guess, like, Urbrask is kind of the same, but, like, it's not nearly as good of an effect.
1: I think Urbrask is the one I'm the least worried about. <laughs> I'll say that.
0: Probably. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, a Voronklex is also, I think, it's the most situational, because it's another doubling season, and not all... Green Decks want another doubling season. A good number did? Now, here's
1: a question for you, Guy. So, the original Praetors could be described as EDH, Haymaker, Battlecruiser Magic, and this new cycle of the Praetors is arguably, like, slightly lower in mana cost, and they're half-enabler, half-stacks piece. How do you feel about that description? Do you feel like it's accurate? Because I've seen that crop up online as the description as a fault against this new cycle. And I kind of wanted your thoughts on whether you thought that was an accurate analysis, and if if you think it's justified as these being bad cards.
0: I'm glad you asked me that question, because I do have an answer. I think that's not the best criticism. Um, Because the original cycle is also very stacky in itself. I feel like people don't quite see it that way, but it is. Y- you got Elish Norn pumping creatures and turning your cards... Uh, uh, decreasing the value of the other cards that aren't yours. Uh, Jingataxius basically says you have no cards. Um, Shieldred is... Pr- oh, Shieldred's Sacrifice. Yeah, shieldred is basically the
1: old shieldred is like you have your opponents have no creatures if they aren't a creature heavy deck.
0: Yeah. Uh Urbras, your creatures come in tapped. That's pretty staxy. Um Your not all your lands will untap the next turn, so Staxy. Uh so I I already thought the original cycle was a stack's Centered cycle so this totally feels in theme to me in my opinion I guess I
1: agree I feel like people forget about the like downside like the inhibiting nature of the original praetors somehow yeah (laughs) somehow
0: it's only like yeah I mean I say I I say that
1: but like the original vormclex is still voted one of the most saltiest cards in the format so uh, kind of take that with a grain of salt but yeah
0: yeah, um, I mean, I wouldn't want to rank all ten of them. <laughs> that would be hard. We're not going to get
1: down that rabbit hole right now.
0: Yeah, okay. So let's just move on. Uh, okay, so the next big card we're going to talk about is Atraxa, Grand Unifier. So I'll read it all three. Green, white, blue, black, legendary creature, Phyrexian, angel. It's got its four original key abilities, flying, vigilance, step-touch, lifelink, It's a 7-7, and when Atraxa enters the battlefield, reveal the top 10 cards of your library. For each card type, you may put a card type of that type from among the revealed cards into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. Um, So it's a lot of mana. Three more than the original. And its effect is... Strong? But... I don't know. Just, like, the amount of mana it costs, like worries me. And like I and also being like so diverse in color, like it's almost like Ur Dragon to me. Like, I love that card, but it is a pain to cast. Yeah.
1: I don't know. I think like if you can just like ramp up, get this out, play cheap clone effects, even if they die, you still get the triggers. And flicker like cheap flicker effects, like it's just value town. Oh yeah. That being said, guy, I just play the New Elish Norn, and this doesn't even enter the battlefield and trigger.
0: Oh yeah, <laughs> sucks to suck. Though, like you could, if you had, if I mean, I guess if you're playing against Elish Norn, yeah, that would prohibit you. But you could also totally throw Atraxa into this deck, and then it's like ah, double value yeah. count. So it's, it's yeah, the cla- twenty cards yeah. win the game. <laughs> that's true. So yeah, that's. But it's the nice thing, I think, too. So, like, original Atraxa. Proliferate is a pretty diverse thing you can build upon. You got Planeswalkers. You could have Infect. You could have Sagas. Like, there's multiple ways to build it. Plus one, plus one counters. But this one also, I feel like, just opens you up to, like, however you want to win. Like, as long as red's not included, you could probably find a way. Because you just can draw all the cards you need.
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly.
0: Let's move on to the Dominus cycle. Is that how you say it? Dominus? Dominus? I pretty confidently said that, but, you know, <laughs> you might be right. That sounds actually more right. I don't know. Dominus? I mean, nobody Would knows how to dominance? pronounce
1: magic The gathering card names. It's fine.
0: Yeah, okay. Moving on. So... This is a cycle of five Phyrexian gods. Uh, however, they are listed as like Phyrexian horrors. But they are gods in the way that there is a way to get them indestructible and they are mythic creatures. But they all double up on something in their colors. So, for example, Mondrak, Glory, Dominus. Uh, Two white-white legendary creature, Phyrexian Horror. If one or more tokens would be created under your control, twice that many of those tokens are created instead. And then it has an activated ability with one uh, white Phyrexian, white Phyrexian, sacrifice two other artifacts and or creatures, and then put an indestructible counter on this card. So yeah. Uh, There's a whole cycle of them. So white doubles all tokens, so treasure, creatures, clues, etc. Blue doubles on proliferation, black doubles on death triggers, red my all-time favorite, Uh, double non-combat damage. Like, holy shit. Um, And then green, double power toughness on combat. So, all good effects.
1: They are. I was really surprised where, you know, each set has a cycle, and oftentimes, like, the whole cycle is kind of mediocre. Sometimes, like, half the cycle is good. Half the cycle's bad. But every once in a while, you get a set like this, where the entire cycle is actually pretty good. Like, not even one of these is a dud. Like, like most, like a lot of the time, like the entire cycle, except for like maybe red or maybe the green one, are like good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but all yeah. of these are solid. Like, like the white one, that's basically like an anointed possession effect, and that's a highly desired effect in that color identity of white. And so I feel like this is going to be worth money. And I mean, I'm not going to justify each and every one of them, but like the red one just doubles certain types of damage. That's pretty common in the commander format. And it's for such a low rate at four mana. The blue one double proliferates, not just like proliferate additional time. This one is actually a hard double. Like, I think that's the thing. It's that all of these are a hard double, whereas most modern Wizards of the Coast design has moved towards like triggers an additional time. So it's not true double, double, but these ones actually are. And I think because of that reason, and they're so mana efficient, and because of their activated ability of essentially one mana, because let's be real, like in a 40 when you're starting life total is 40 you can afford to lose four life pretty easily the fact that they give themselves indestructible for just like one mana like hell yeah like that's really strong
0: oh yeah and the other nice so like i agree because double is way better than an additional time because double stacks Mm -hmm. like you have two double triggers. Uh, that's actually quadruple. And then you add another one. That's uh, eight times. Then you go 16. Like, it can just get out of hand. The more that you have types of these effects. So, like, oh, yeah. Solid cards.
1: Yeah, I remember All I remember when I played an Aurelia. Not the Aurelia, the war leader. Gisela, the, the one that doubles damage to your opponents and halves damage to you. I'd play a bunch of, like double damage to your opponents and I played a whole bunch of those and like by the time I had like three of them everyone was just like alright we don't like this group slug deck like let's just kill him like he's already been dealing damage and I couldn't like I couldn't ever politic my way out of it so I'd always just die first and that's why I took the deck apart
0: yeah (laughs) but
1: the point of that story is to emphasize like when you double double and then double again and then double again and then double again it gets pretty out of hand pretty quick as you said
0: Oh, yeah. So, yeah, pretty solid cards. Uh, Either they could be commanders, all of them could be commanders, or they could all also just be 99 cards, which I think is also what's, like, great about them.
1: I think one other thing I like about their design is, like, they're kind of reversed original Myogens, where, like, these Phyrexian cards are gaining Indestructible, whereas the original Myogen cycle, like, would lose Indestructible in order to, like have some sort of amazing effect, and I just find that sort of interesting design. Yeah. I feel like you kind of have to have been playing Commander for a really long time to even fucking remember the original Myojins, but they're still cool.
0: Okay, you want to move on to the next card? Sure thing.
1: Exhale. I think that's how you say it. Exhale. Scion of Atraxa. So this is Atraxa's uh, daughter, for lack of a better term. That's probably not canonically correct. (laughs) It is one... White, black, green. So it's an Abzan commander. It's a legendary creature, Phyrexian Angel, two five, with flying, vigilance, and toxic two. And it's corrupted, like the keyword ability that says at the beginning of your end step, each opponent who has three or more poison counters exiles the top card from their library, face down. You may look at, at and play those cards for as long as they remain exiled. And you may spend mana as though it were mana of any color to cast those spells. So it's sort of like you're playing your opponent's decks, but in a fun way. We've seen lots of commanders that allow you to play your opponent's decks that are annoying and everyone automatically like kills you first, generally speaking, because it's kind of an annoying mechanic. But I feel like this does it flavorfully and in a way that's not annoying and you can totally do it.
0: Yeah, I agree. To me, what was kind of, I guess, like surprising because, like, I expected a card like this, I think but the fact that this is also, like, the face commander of a deck and it's centered around poison that's not something I would have ever thought in my wildest dreams would ever we happen. would ever get. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it did and that, I mean, this set has been full of surprises, so, but it makes sense why, you know, it's the more one of the more popular mechanics, but They did it, Mm -hmm. yeah. I do like how corrupted now kind of also gives you better incentive because like getting from zero to ten that is a little hard in playing person from personal experience. But uh, getting that like to the three and then being able to like have an extra like effect or like pumped up for what you're trying to do in the game feels like a great uh, addition for any decks that do care about poison.
1: Yeah, I I agree with that. This is going to be kind of a pain if you still are playing over webcam.
0: Oh yes, 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 yes! Don't do that,
1: <laughs> guy. I'm gonna pl- I'm gonna play my opposition agent in every single one of my webcam games, and you can't stop
0: me. I mean, this is this is worse <laughs> <laughs> in in that regard. But yeah, opposition. I feel like yeah, that's why. Probably- I feel like the fact that opposition agent is kind of a pain to play over webcam magic is why I haven't seen it more. Often.
1: Do you remember when those f- cards were first released, like opposition agent and holebreaker horror, and everyone was yes. like, "Which one's more broken?" <laughs> I think we, I Gosh, think we figured that know.
0: out. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was kind of that was quick. Ah, uh, good times,
1: good times.
0: I want to go back. <laughs> 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 Uh, okay, so now let's move on to the 99. We got this broken down by uh, color, so we'll start with Skrell. Defector Might, 1 white mana, legendary artifact creature, Phyrexian Might, Toxic 1, can't block, and then 2 Phyrexian... Uh, sorry, not... Uh, 1 Phyrexian mana, tap, choose a color, another target creature you control gains Toxic 1 and Hex from that color until end of turn. It can't be blocked by that creature it can't be blocked by creatures of that color this turn. So you're probably wondering, like, but why are you guys including this in the 99? It's a legendary creature. Well, I don't know if you've ever played against a monolite deck, but I'm sure you are familiar with Mother of Ruins. (laughs) Yes! One of the most arguably popular monolite cards. And, yeah, so this is just another one of those effects. When we already have, like, giver of runes. So this is the third iteration of a really good effect.
1: That's pretty much the perfect way to describe it. Guy what do you think? Is this going to be played as a commander more or is this going to be played in the 99 more? What do you think?
0: Definitely the 99.
1: (laughs) I love this card. (laughs) I do feel like people really did love this card just because of the cute little teeth and just like it's just a cute little guy.
0: Yeah yeah I, I like him mm-hmm.
1: I think the one little side note I have is that um, as far as I understand Wizards of the Coast is trying to move away from protection and so instead it yes. is the wording of this card is like oh you give it hexproof, and then it can't be blocked by creatures of the color that's chosen because like let's be real protection is kind of a hard I don't want to say mechanic what's the right term like protection is a hard—it's um, not a keyword. It's a, a protection is a hard ability to remember all that protection actually encompasses, and so they yeah. Watsy's moving away from that, and so that's why the wording of this card is the way that it is.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. I think they tried to do a little protection, and I mean, I—how confident are you in explaining protection? If we're being honest,
1: I could if I wasn't this
0: drunk. <laughs> that's kind of how i feel like i might need a reminder on like everything cuz it's a lot but then it's also like some things aren't always intuitive about it it is definitely yeah one of the more nuanced things that are on cards
1: all right so to oversimplify oversimplify things protection is basically an evergreen keyword ability that grants several different effects to a permanent or a player. And the best way to remember it is debt. And that's D-E-B-T. Like, credit card debt. So, there's damaged by, there's enchanted, equipped, or fortified, there's blocked by, and there's targeted by. So, if something has protection, it can't be damaged, enchanted, equipped, blocked, targeted those are the things and that's really hard to remember let's be real and so Watsi's moving away from
0: that I mean you explained it pretty well right there yeah I had to take a sec
1: to compose myself
0: (laughs) no worries yeah I but I think that's great that (laughs) I I have heard that before but like it just doesn't come up well I'm gonna have to now remember (laughs) that like phrase yeah um all right yeah so, okay. Why don't we move on to the next card?
1: So the next card we have is Clever Concealment. It is two white-white for an instant with Convoke. So remember, your creatures can help cast the spell. Each creature you tap while casting the spell pays for one or one mana of that creature's color. And then so you can get it down to as little as white-white. You can bring it from a four mana value spell to a two mana value
0: spell. You could you could pay it all. Uh, if the creature is white, you can tap for a white mana. Oh, ability.
1: you're right, you're right. Thanks for stopping me there. I almost made a mistake. So even better. So what does this card actually <laughs> yeah. what does this card actually do? <laughs> so any number of target non-land permanents you control phase out treat them and anything attached to them as though they didn't exist until your next turn. So, phasing is a little bit complicated, but not really. <laughs> it's like the reminder text says, just treat it like it doesn't exist. Like, I don't know, put a piece of pa- piece of paper over it for a turn. Alright, so just so it makes it easier for you. Um, it basically like, goes away, can't be interacted with on any dimension whatsoever, like, unless you... The player lose the game. That's pretty much the only way to stop it. And so, this is actually a pretty strong card because it's at instant speed. It's really easy to pay the cost for it. It's essentially pre- protecting potentially your entire board state besides for your lands for like the turn it's activated. The closest comparison to this card is arguably Teferi's Protection. And there's been a whole bunch of discussion and analysis about Teferi's Protection over the years in Commander. I'm not gonna open up that can of worms. I would almost argue that this card is better because it's easier to cast and because you get to choose exactly what you want to phase out. And what you want to leave on the battlefield. Because especially if you're a mono white deck. You might want to leave certain stacks. stacky effects on the board while you phase out other things. And whereas the downside to like Teferi's protection. Is like you just completely phase out everything. And like you're helpless as your opponents like advance to their board states. Or do some really fucked up shit. And then by the time you come back in, they're ready to kill you at instant speed, and you like never get priority again. <laughs>
0: yeah, this card's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> this set has been a lot of good hits. Like Mono White is doing well.
1: Yeah, I like this card. It's all, like you could also kind of compare it to like Ghost Way again, but it's better than Ghost Way because you can choose more than just your creatures. You can choose your artifacts, mm-hmm. you can choose your enchantments, you can choose your planeswalkers you can choose a whole bunch of different things and it just gives you that flexibility that these other cards that see a lot of play don't provide you and so I am actually pretty high on this card
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. it it is you always have to be like, it's an all or nothing kind of situation when you want to cast a fairy's protection this is so much more like what's what's the term like diverse, I guess like this can create some interesting situations, I think.
1: Yeah. yeah, this is a bit more open-ended it leads to a lot of different types of situations I feel mm-hmm. and it can lead to like I don't know arguably better stories
0: of like, oh, they did this yeah.
1: and then I play clever concealment and then oh this happened and then
0: oh okay, next is minor misstep. It's a single blue mana instant counter target spell with mana value one or less. Alright, so this obviously pays tribute to Mental Misstep, which is a super good um, (laughs) blue card. Like, up there in terms of like best counter spells it just can hit a lot of things I mean Sol ring being the most played card uh two mana free counter spell done mm-hmm. so I feel like this card has potential to also see a lot of pay- play is what I'm saying oh one or less oh so it could be zero that's a that's a one-up i think from mental mista did I spell mental <laughs> i did I, I spelled it wrong Yeah, okay. Mental Misstep is only mana value one. So this card's a little better.
1: Yeah, it's a little better in terms of effect. Like, it's hard when, like, a spell is free. (laughs) Like, original Mental Misstep is.
0: Um, That is true. I feel
1: like this pertains to more of the CEDH, competitive EDH, spectrum of the format, where you're trying to go as fast as possible. Yeah. And even then, I... Have not, I, I try to stay up to date as to like what the CDH meta, quote unquote. <laughs> I know there's lots of CDH metas, but like mostly what the CDH spectrum is on about. And I still haven't really heard anything definitive about what their thoughts are on this card because, as you said, mm-hmm. mental misstep is played. But again, that's because it's a free spell. Like two life when, when your starting life total is 40, that's nothing. So I'll say this in an Average, more casual commander game. Like you might be able to get someone with this every once in a while, but like, you're not going to catch them. Like your, your ability to stop somebody is going to be much less. And on the CDH end of the spectrum at this, at time of recording, I still have not heard a whole bunch of people be like, Oh wow, this is really going to replace like, you know, my force of will or my fucking like, like I don't know just like the whole spectrum of counterspells that are at that end of the format. So because of that reason I'm like not so high on this card even though like at first glance you would think you would be. I also want to clarify like mental misstep at that end of the format is not going to stop force of will because force of will is a 5 mana value card. And so like your your opponent may be casting it for free. And you might be thinking, oh, they're casting it for free. That's zero mana value. No, it is a five mana value card. You cannot use minor misstep to counter it. (laughs) And I've seen a number of people already make mistakes with this.
0: (laughs) Interesting. Okay. I feel like I haven't seen that, but that is good to bring up. Mm -hmm. And I can definitely see where you're coming from because there's another card we're talking about that I kind of feel the same way about. But we'll get there. Uh, do you want to read this next card?
1: Sure, I'm excited for this one personally, which is Encroaching Mycosynth. It is three in a blue for an artifact that says non-land permanents you control are artifacts in addition to their other types. The same is true for permanent spells you control and non-land permanent cards you you own that aren't on the battlefield. So, obviously, by name and by card type, it is an homage. ...to the original, which is Mycosynth Lattice. They are different. At the same time, they're both pretty much artifacts... ...that make all your other permanents artifacts. And that can be very strong... ...for a number of different reasons. Just There's a lot of commander decks that want to make all your permanents artifacts... ...in order to do some real bullshit... And <laughs> synergistic stuff. Now, obviously, there's differences, and I'm not going to go into all the minutiae, but Encroaching Microsynth is only four mana. It's relatively easy to cast with only one blue pip, and it's essentially doing the same core thing which the original Microsynth is doing, which is turning all your stuff into artifacts. You don't really care so much about the mana fixing from the original Microsynth. It's just a really cool card, and I'm honestly surprised that they. Chose to print it, given how the original Mycosynth caused problems for other formats. Yeah,
0: Hmm. I'll be interested to. I feel like it's at least Michael's. Is Mycosynth Lattice as big of a problem in Commander now? I mean, in the right deck, shit. Like Park plays it, doesn't he?
1: Um, I don't believe Park plays it in his colorless deck
0: oh interesting okay no card's good (laughs) yeah the card's
1: just good it's just like i know in other formats it's been a problem and in terms of commander it's usually just like whenever you see mycosynth played in commander you're just like oh my opponent's about to do some real fucked up rules shit like i've got to be on my toes (laughs) that's usually what it means yeah
0: okay Next is Mind Splice Apparatus. Three blue artifact. Flash. At the beginning of your upkeep, put an oil counter on Mind Splice. Instant and sorcery supposed to cast cost one less to cast for each oil counter on Mind Splice Apparatus. Yeah, this is a good card.
1: <laughs> it is because I added this to our notes.
0: Oh, yes. I, I agree. I mean, I think the fact that it has Flash is what makes it so good to me.
1: Yes, that was going to be the main linchpin main linchpin pin. Yeah, main thing I was going to say, which is the fact that if this was just like a sorcery speed artifact at four mana, like I would not be as high about it. But the fact that you can cast this at like flash speed, instant speed totally changes the game. The fact that this is the kind of card you want to play in a control style deck for commander. And when you're playing control and commander, you want to do things at instant speed on the end steps of your opponent's turns. You can just go to your turn four, assuming you haven't ramped, and you can just pass the turn, and if your opponents don't do anything, you can just flash this in an end step, go to your turn five, like be ready to like, at the beginning of your upkeep, put a counter on this, and instantly all your instants and sorceries, which is probably what your entire deck is, are now just one less to cast. And it's just gonna keep compounding turn after turn after turn, and it's just, so it's just going to be get better and better as the game goes longer, which is what a control deck wants to do. So just, like, imagine, like, even just three turns later, all of your instants and sorceries cost three less. That's some bullshit. Like, you're just going to, like, pop the fuck off. And so, again, like, Park's playing this in one of his decks, and I'm just like, oh, my God, fucking kill me. Because um, <laughs> there have just been so many effects that reduce the amount of generic mana for your instance sorceries throughout the years like there's the classic brawl chief of compliance which you can play as your commander but there's also cards in the 99 such as as foretold there's the more recent um uh Ford of magic there's the more recent haughty Jin, and the more recent wizards of thay and so there's just been a whole bunch of recent cards within the last like two years that have just been like hey all of your instance sorceries cost just one less and when you do that multiple times it's just like oh shit like control decks have actually been secretly low-key getting a whole bunch of really strong engine cards that reduce their mana cost fuck
0: yeah and I mean this is I always like these types of effects more so than like mana rocks because mana rocks like yeah you get mana for it but like these type of cards apply to all your spells Mm -hmm. or like a specific type of spell like so it can compound a lot better than just like a normal mana rock
1: yeah so the most helpful way and most in like easy way to comprehend this is just like the medallion cycle yes each of the monocolors has a medallion jet medallion makes all of your black spells cost one less if you've ever played that in a mono black deck you're just like wow this does a whole lot of work like generally speaking and so like if you just play the medallions in any monocolor deck you're just like holy shit like this is almost better than a stereotypical three mana or even two mana value mana rock that taps for a colored it's just like when it's each spell like that's actually like a small but important
0: difference and I mean if it can apply to even just more than one spell per your turn that's already what makes it so good Mm -hmm. so
1: that's why I added it to our notes I was kind of high on this I'm probably going to buy it it's a good card Mm -hmm.
0: okay next card
1: alright so next we have Moon Gauntlet it is two and a blue for an artifact that says planeswalkers you control have zero proliferate and minus twelve take an extra turn after this one But wait, there's more. Whenever you cast a non-creature spell, choose a counter on target permanent. Put an additional counter of that kind on that permanent. So there's kind of a lot to unpack here. This is (laughs) arguably a planeswalker tribal card a super friends card because it's encouraging you to like play a bunch of planeswalkers and it's giving them two additional abilities the fact that there's the zero proliferate and the minus 12 take an extra turn after this one so it sort of reminds me how like Zeric and very master of time and very time bender are three planeswalkers that all have taken extra turn after this one and that's basically what this artifact is giving them and it's also giving them the zero proliferate ability, which is, in my mind, sort of reminiscent of the fairly recently printed Kazmina Enigma Sage, where it's just sort of like giving your planeswalkers a certain ability. I think Kazmina Enigma Sage isn't exactly the zero colon proliferate, but it's sort of like the idea of like all of your planeswalker have this generic ability. And so... I'm wondering if we're going to see that more and more. Yeah. Then there's the second half of the this artifact, which is whenever you cast a non-creature spell, like choose a counter on target permanent, uh, put an additional counter of that kind on that permanent. And for me, that's really reminiscent of Flux Channeler, which kind of just says like, oh, whenever you cast a non-creature spell, proliferate, proliferate, which is slightly different, but very similar to this effect. And that card is fucking cracked in the right deck i am afraid of it every single time i see it like i've only seen it a few times but it's always in the right deck and whenever i see it, i'm just like oh fuck this thing needs to die otherwise we're losing the game right now um (laughs) it's funny to me because only 38 commander cards with proliferate exist as of the time of recording and like most of them are not efficient or very powerful but like there's only just a handful that are efficient and powerful. And those are the ones I'm afraid of. And this is now one of those cards.
0: Yeah. I mean, in a super friends deck, you just give everyone the ability to proliferate that can stack up pretty quickly. Cause if you're able to proliferate enough to get one planeswalker to go off, you then get to take your extra turn. You do the proliferate thing again, and then you just get there again. And it's like, all right, another turn. Like this can get out of hand. Yes, very easily.
1: Yep. So for that reason, when that within that very specific archetype of super friends, I want to mention this card.
0: It's also interesting because yes, it is kind of the true first planeswalker tribal cards that I would say that have come out recently. Like I don't feel like it's a super great supported type of deck always.
1: It's not. I feel like Planeswalker Tribal, a.k.a. Super Friends, has gotten a lot more support, especially with the current state of design, where all these Planeswalkers are completed, so it's easier to cast them because they have Phyrexian mana and their mana cost. And then you get this bullshit of like Gauntlet. And so I'm just like, hmm, I'm really curious what the future of Super Friends is going to be, because for a long time, it's always one of those archetypes that people talk about but rarely build just because financially it's kind of difficult to build it and it's also mm-hmm. like less socially acceptable to build it because you often are incentivized to be like planeswalker slash board wipe tribal and that's not always the most socially acceptable so i'm wondering if the super friends archetype is going to adapt and change over the next like oh i don't know two to four years because of the new Planeswalker cards that are coming out that are easier to cast. I'm going to have to wait and see.
0: It'll definitely be interesting. Okay. So this next card is kind of the card that I would say I relate to in minor misstep where you were kind of talking about like the other one will always be better, but it's a cute, um, homage callback. Yeah. Homage. That's a better word. Uh, so we have synthesis pod, uh, three and one Phyrexian mana, um, artifact tap, blue Phyrexian mana, uh, exile spell you control. Target opponent reveals cards from the top of their library until they reveal a card with mana value equal to one plus the exiled spell's mana value. Exile that card, then that player shuffles. You so may cast that card, exile, out paying its mana cost. So if you haven't caught on, it's birthing pod. But group hug. Yeah, it's it's definitely an interesting design but I feel like people might just like play it because of their love for birthing pod but I don't think it's nearly as good because isn't because birthing pod just allows you to go get whatever you want oh that is specifically like um one more mana value but this is saying like um this is a little more like a cascade like you don't always know what you're gonna get
1: birthing pod long history especially in modern um you'll see it every once in a while in competitive edh and you'll see it every once in a once in a while in casual commander yeah i feel like this is a really cool homage but i don't think i'll see it a whole bunch besides decks that are specifically designed to like play their opponent's decks in hopefully a quote-unquote fun way yeah next up we have all will be one it is three red red for an enchantment that is very flexible. It says whenever you put one or more counters on a permanent or player, all will be one deals that much damage to target opponent creature and opponent controls or planeswalker Walker and opponent controls. So it's directly converting like the number of counters you're putting on stuff into damage to pretty much any target you want. And that's a pretty powerful effect, but I feel like it's kind of balanced out by the fact that it's a five mana enchantment. What do you think, Guy?
0: Yes. Otherwise, I think it could go off pretty easily with a few of these cards. Quest for Purifying, Red Terror, War Elemental. Red Terror being a newer card that's a legendary that can sit in your command zone. So these would become two card combos. Why is that? Because all these cards um, essentially put a counter on themselves whenever you deal damage. So you just have to deal damage once and then this all will be one and those three cards will just bounce back and forth and kill you. So that it's it's nice that it's like a good infinite combo for some of these niche cards. Uh but the red terror also like being a newer commander and also um I don't know. I feel like warhammer players are kind of excited for that. Yeah
1: yet to see anyone abuse it but then again it only came out like three days ago so all yet to see yeah Mm -hmm. this next card i expect to see a whole bunch though
0: oh yeah oh wait i'm up for reading conduit of worlds Two green green artifact you may play lands from your graveyard where have we seen just stop there but wait there's more But wait, there's more. Tap. Choose target non-land permanent card in your graveyard. If you haven't cast a spell this turn, you may cast that card. If you do, you can't cast additional spells this turn. Activate only as a sorcery. Uh, so, yeah. It's another Crucible of Worlds, Ancient Green Warden, Ramina Excavator, uh, Wayward Swordtooth, um, but then it's also kind of like a one-time Gaia's Will? Almost. I mean, sure, it's a num- but yeah. like,
1: let's be real here. Nobody really cares about the tapped ability. Everyone just cares about the fact that it's another card that lets you play lands from your grave.
0: That is definitely the most appealing part. Don't get me wrong.
1: That's a really strong ability in Commander. For those of you who don't know, pretty cracked.
0: Yeah, I mean, but the just the added bonus effect for only one more mana. It's like. Is a pretty good bonus effect too. So, I mean, this and among, yeah, Crucible of Worlds and all those other cards is going to be played a lot.
1: It's sort of interesting, like, if they just keep printing cards like this, A, are they going to stop? Because I feel like, Guy, I want your opinion on this, I feel like landfall strategies in Commander are doing just fine.
0: <laughs> they really yes. didn't,
1: they didn't really need this kind of effect. No, they didn't really need a fifth one.
0: No, like we were
1: fine with Crucible of Worlds, Ancient Green Warden, Ramanop, Excavator, and Wayward Swordtooth. Yeah, I. And so now we have a fifth one, and so now I'm just like, all right, Watsy, like you're doing good. Like I think we can, because Commander is an eternal format. I think we'd honestly be fine if we never got. I I mean this seriously. I think we'd be fine if we never got another "You may play lands from your graveyard" effect again. Because like we've yeah. reached like what's called a quote-unquote critical mass of a certain type of effect. Like, guy, I don't know if I have ever told you, but like with like my enchantress deck, I feel like I've reached a critical mass within the color identity that it's in of like play an enchantment draw card where I'm perfectly content if they never, if Watsi never prints another enchantress effect again. Mm-hmm. Like, that's how I'm feeling. Like, we've reached a critical mass of enchantments within at least the Slesnia colored entity, and when it comes to this sort of Crucible of Worlds effect, because that was the first one that was ever printed, we've come to a critical mass of, like, you may play lamps from your graveyard sort of effect in terms of green.
0: Yes. I, I agree. Like... There's only... And it's... Like, it can get interesting. Like, I think they're trying to make it more interesting. But... It's still... Yeah, it still goes back to your point of, like, okay, you can make this as interesting as you want any number of times, but there are... There are a limit to, like, how many times we do actually need this, so... I would also be happy if we did not really see this effect get played on any other card
1: and to clarify you can certainly restrict this sort of effect where like you only like like let's say like you were you could only return a forest or something to your hand but like at least for something this generic like we're good <laughs> we're good right
0: yeah because it doesn't even ask you it again it, kind of going back to like Shieldred does but like it just already acts upon such a natural game ability that it's like good without needing anything else so yeah pretty nice
1: yeah alright why don't you read us the next card
0: oh but I read the last card
1: alright I'll read it just cause I like to <laughs> this is Nissa ascended animist it is 3 green and then double phyrexian green so technically a uh, mana value of seven and then it comes in with seven loyalty as a legendary planeswalker nissa with the completed mechanic obviously so plus one create a xx green phyrexian horror creature token where x is nissa ascended animus loyalty negative one destroy target artifact or enchantment negative seven Until end of turn, creatures you control get plus one plus one for each forest you control and gain trample. So, I guess you could argue that this is the, like, like the best completed Planeswalker, like, so far of the set. Guy, I feel like you have stronger opinions about this card than I do.
0: Yeah, I feel like all the other completed Planeswalkers we've seen have been, like, meh. And I think we've only really talked about them because they were just interesting. And like, you know, they are noteworthy and big story element cards. But this is the first one where I've been like, oh, okay, I could totally see myself running this. Just because the fact that it could ultimate right away. And it it becomes very close to a second crater hoof type effect. Now that is more... S- probably saying that you're running more forests than creatures, but still, I would think in a mono-green deck where this would probably go, you're, you're probably got a lot of forests.
1: Yeah, I mean, definitely stick this in your mono-green deck if it works within it, where, like, you want to create a token, or you want to destroy an artifact or enchantment, or you just want to give that sort of overrun effect. I guess it just demands how much mana you can produce, because, again, this is a 7-mana, like planeswalker which is sort of a high investment
0: yeah but it could be a game ender too that's kind of what's nice about the completed planeswalkers is like you could pay for them earlier or you could pay for them later and they just get better later on but they're still like decent but yeah i think this one has been the best one we've seen so far
1: you're good to read this one
0: yep so this is sword of forge and frontier we've seen that before um, uh, so this is the next sword of X and Y. It's a three mana artifact equipment, just like all of them. It has equipped creature, who gets plus two, plus two, and has protection from red and green. So I think this is probably like the one exception that they're going to like probably bring back protection, just because at this point like all these cards like hat wreath so and so is protected from these color combos. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this one, whenever a quick preacher deals combat damage to a player, exile the top two cards of your library, you may play those cards this turn, you may play an additional land this turn, and its equipped cost is two. So I'd say, like, this is a fairly decent one, among others. Like, it's generically good that you get, like, two cards off of hitting someone, and then you can play an additional land. I think the fact that it wouldn't allow you to cast them if, uh... Oh, wait, of your library. Shoot, I read that wrong. Um, I thought it was target player's library. No, this is better. Okay, yeah, this is good.
1: (laughs) Mm. This is pretty decent for a sort of X and Y card, simply for the ability that it allows you to play an additional land this turn, because there's a lot of color identities that wish they had that ability, but because of their color identity, they don't have access to that. And so... That's a pretty powerful effect. Much more than the whole like like exiling the top two cards of your library sort of effect.
0: Yeah, because the land doesn't even need to come from those exile the top two cards. You can just play an additional land from your own hand still. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And so I think a lot of decks like will want this sword just for the ramp. Honestly. Yeah. It's sort of like how a lot of people play sort of Feast and Famine just for the fact that it gives you the potential to like untap all your lands so you can like, in theory, like cast twice as much stuff. It's yeah, it's viewed as sort of a ramp spell in sort of combat centric
0: decks. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, that's that's where I see it. And I am kind of excited for it.
0: Yeah. All right. We got two more here.
1: We just need the Demir version and then we're done with the cycle. All right, moving on. We got Staff of Completion. We have a three generic costing artifact that has a whole bunch of tap abilities. Tap, pay one life, destroy a target permanent you own. Tap, pay two life, add one man of any color. Tap, pay three life, proliferate. Tap, pa- pay four life, draw a card. Five, untap, Staff of Completion. So, for those of you more enfranchised players, this is a pretty close parallel to Staff of Domination, which is this, like, low-costing artifact that has all these tap abilities, and then at the very end, it's like, pay a certain amount amount of mana and just untap the artifact, and just like it's a way for you to, like, do a bunch of infinite combos if you have enough mana like that's just what you do and so now staff completion is sort of here as sort of a counterpart like an evil count counterpart and uh, quote unquote because this thing does a whole bunch of stuff like you can add a whole bunch of mana, you can proliferate, you can draw a card. It all depends on how much life you have and depending on like what you're tapping or untapping. Like you might be able to gain more life than you're paying with Staff of Completion. So I think this is arguably a more like fixed version of Staff of Domination, but there's definitely ways to abuse this.
0: The the ways are like you have to Be in a much heavier life gain themed deck, and also get infinite mana to really pop off. Because like the other one, just required infinite mana, which is kind of easier to do. But this would require you to get like fifty thousand life, then you and infinite mana to like have to do it. Because like the only thing that you need the infinite mana for is the untapping part. But like paying life for all these other effects could add up very quickly.
1: Right, which is why I like Staff of Completion more than the original, just because of what you said, where like all Staff of Domination required, which was like infinite mana, and like you just win the game. Whereas this one's like, alright, you need at least one more piece to like complete the combo, which I appreciate.
0: Yeah. Okay, and this last card is Soulless Jailer, two mana artifact creature, Phyrexian Golem. Uh, permanent cards in graveyards can't enter the battlefield. Players can't cast non-creature spells from Graveyard or Exile, and it's a zero four. 4 uh, So, big butt. Um, hmm, like, do, do you remember your criticism of this card when you first saw it? I do not. You were like, it's like Lava Golem from <laughs> Yu-Gi-Oh! <laughs> and, like, I can't unsee it. I'm like, yeah, it is.
1: <laughs> okay, I do remember that. I
0: was... <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> because i couldn't remember the name of lava golem and i was just like in our messages i was like it's the it's that lava that looks like a golem and it's got cages for hands and i'm just like
0: boy oh yeah <laughs> you just named it but um yeah this card is still pretty good like i think it's a little more niche in the stacks and like can be more dependent on your meta i suppose like if That's kind of how I view it. Like, it's a good card if in the right meta.
1: I agree with that. It sort of reminds me... The closest comparison I have to my mind is Digger's Cage. And, like, obviously they're different cards, but they're sort of the same idea where, like, here's a low-costing artifact. It's pretty much stopping your opponents from, like, casting bullshit from their grave and casting bullshit directly from their library. But ever since like Flash was banned, the kinds of players that would want this type of effect like don't really quite need it anymore. They're playing other shit. And so until Flash is unbanned, which is never going to happen, <laughs> like we're probably not going to see coolest jail- Soulless Jailer a whole bunch.
0: No, it, it definitely will just be a meta card.
1: It's, it's very much a silver bullet type card.
0: Yes, I agree okay and that kind of rounds it out for our first premiere set of all will be one uh definitely some hot talked about cards and definitely some cards that i think we'll um get to see quite a bit of hopefully i feel like
1: we still did a fucking set review just because we're all like an hour and 40 minutes in
0: yeah okay we'll wrap this up pretty quickly so our we got our first RC announcement as well for the year, uh, but no card, no cards were banned, no rules were changed, no cards unbanned. Basically, the main highlights of this is that they did talk about how um, they didn't talk about <laughs> Elish Norn because there was concerns about her being banned from like Sheldon's articles, but they said that it wasn't even a point of discussion. So the transparency there is nice that we get to kind of know more about their conversations and was that actually talked about. But it's it's good that they're not making any kind of rash rash decisions.
1: Right. And what's funny to me is the fact that even in Sheldon's article, he's like, hey, I'm the only one that kind of feels this way. All the other RC members do not feel this way. So do not take this as a way that Elish Mother of Machines, is going to get banned. And everyone's still panicked. (laughs)
0: Yeah, so. but it's nice of them to reiterate it. <laughs> sure, sure. Okay, so the other thing is that they did talk about how all the new poison cards are going to maybe affect the format because there's been call for them to raise the poison counter from 10 to 20. However, they have also said that they are going to stick with 10 as the amount needed to c- kill someone in commander just because none of them seem overly powerful but will you know wait and see if this becomes a popular mechanic and it does become an issue but historically it hasn't been so like why now so we'll just have to see right but i don't i don't per- personally foresee it actually happening
1: i agree i don't feel it like possibly happening because i think one of the main things to consider in all of this as much as people ask for like it to be raised i feel like it's all newer players of the format who haven't seen the whole breadth of strategies that exist in this format and so they don't realize just how few infect and toxic and poisonous cards there are and just how difficult that strategy actually is in order to win yeah in addition to the fact that it's when you're making a format you really do want it to be like in parallel with other formats, like you don't want it to like be the only format where like you need 20 or more poison counters to like kill, kill an opponent where all the other formats don't do that. It's just sort of one more barrier to entry for new players. And I think that's something that's not discussed as much as it should be because it's a really serious factor in the way in which, the average player gets into a format like the more barriers to entry there are the less likely they are to play
0: yeah when there's different when there's changes in comparison yeah it can get confusing because uh, some people might say like it is just like all the other formats oh wait no it's not so just being more unified together as a game is for the best
1: Yep, and I know the Rules Committee has made certain decisions because of that very line of logic, so that's why I
0: bring it up. Yeah, that is a good point.
1: Yeah, and then lastly, in this Rules Announcement uh, quarterly update, they did address Dockside Extortionist, where like all of 2022, they pretty much talked about Dockside Extortionist and how they've been keeping an eye on it over the year, and it's not until this announcement that they've pretty much said... Hey, we've kind of come to a conclusion unless it's like, unless new cards come out that really make it a real problem. It's not enough of a problem in casual pods to ban it. So we're probably not going to ban it. And I'm paraphrasing here because I don't want to read the exact quote, but that's basically what they said. And I kind of agree with it. Whereas as annoying as Doxidestortionist can be sometimes Like, I don't think it needs to be banned. This also comes from me, someone who believes the fewer cards banned, the better the format is. So take that with a grain of salt. Yeah.
0: No, I I agree. Like, it's also a card that definitely has to scale with your table. So it's not always like it can just be a bomb every time. But like, historically, yeah, you you probably are getting something out of it.
1: Yeah. I mean, last week, what, you played a Doxag Extortionist where it made two treasures. So you were like mana neutral.
0: Yeah, I was like, I'm just going to do this so I can like save mana for the future. Like, it, It's good in that regard, too, but like, I was desperate. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. But, okay. So, yeah, that wraps it up. Pretty neat stuff. And I, personally, am pretty excited for the future based on what we just went over. Like, it's another good year and good start to magic.
1: I'm optimistic. I yeah. feel like just... The two of us kind of taking a step back so we don't get burnt out and just sort of watching the sets come out, especially since and I don't have any definitive sources on this, but everything that I've seen indicates that Phyrexia All Will Be One is a set that even outpaced Kamigawa Neon Dynasty which oh, wow. was from what i've seen it's outpaced neon dynasty which is saying something because that was one of the most well-received sets of the previous year and it's only the second month into 2023 yeah if those sources are true like we're starting off the year very strong
0: oh yeah okay Jeez, <laughs> i had not heard that but like it wouldn't surprise me considering like how popular this plane is and just like all the goods we got. I hope we continue to see a trend of starting this strong every year. Yeah.
1: Also guy, I don't know about you, but I am hoping that the storyline, the lore of this timeline continues in the sense that, Oh, I'm actually concerned about, the Phyrexians, I'm actually concerned about the Phyrexians taking over all these different worlds, completing all these planeswalkers, especially if this completion process cannot be reversed like, if that's the case, like we've just lost Jace, we've just lost Vraska, we've just lost Hamio we've lost a Johnny, like we've lost all these beloved characters, and like there's actual stakes to the story, and I know this is very divisive amongst the magic the gathering community at this time but for me personally i've just been like wow like i cannot get into the magic the gathering lore because there's no stakes like whenever someone dies they like pretty much come back or like they hardly ever kill anyone like the war of the spark killed like two people and like they were insignificant characters arguably and i'm just like i don't even care like like the stakes are so low and like with this current plot line in theory the stakes are actually high i actually care about this i actually want to know what happens to each of these characters i don't know if they're just going to retcon it all we're like oh all the completed planeswalkers in 2026 oh like the entire process can be reverted and everyone's back to the way they were and everyone's fine in which i'll be in which case I'll probably be pissed, but like right now in this current moment, I'm like, oh shit, I'm actually invested in the story. I actually like want to know like what the stakes are.
0: I agree. Like, do I love Jace? Yes. Have I seen enough of Jace though? Yes. <laughs> so I am fine with them to like move on and bring us some more interesting characters. All right. With that said, uh, we are the Wizard Staff. You can listen to us to a. You can listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube, and anywhere else you like to listen to your podcasts. Make sure to leave a like and review. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at wizardstaff101. You can also send us an email at wizardstaff 101 at gmail.com if you want to bitch and complain about how stupid we are. We thank you for listening, and we hope you have a great night. Peace out.
1: Peace.